Hi, Saints. Welcome to another episode of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. Today's episode is part two of a two-part series entitled, Walking and Standing in God's Grace. This message is for believers that want to receive a better understanding of, of God's word as it relates to his grace. We are going to go even deeper into the meaning of God's grace. So sit back, relax, take notes, and let's learn how to walk and stand in God's grace. Okay, saints, welcome back. This is part two of walking and standing in God's grace, the uncompromising word of God. Amen. I want to share this with you before we get started. Before listening to anyone's message, not just mine, anyone's message as it relates to God, you need to pray and ask God to give you the understanding because there are a lot of false teachers out there. There is a lot of false information out there. And I want you to make sure you are receiving God's word, God's true word, rightly divided. So I thought I'd share that with you because I pray before each message I deliver, whether it is on my podcast show or whether it is in person before I pray for an individual, I want God to share with me what prayer that individual needs. Um, we had a longtime family friend just lost their mother and I, I was uh, kind of asked to call and, and, and pray for that individual. And believe me, I prayed and asked God what I needed to share. And during the prayer, after the prayer, we had a conversation. And I found out more information, which changed the prayer. See, the prayer needs to be in line with the needs. So I uh, prayed even more about the needs of the family. So I wanted to share that with you. Make sure you ask God for understanding, no matter who you are hearing the message from. So this two-part series, we are touring the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is also known as the book of grace. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have learned a lot and have grown in, in faith and grace uh, studying Ephesians. So I want to cover the last part of the 13th verse of Ephesians, Ephesians 1. Again, because we did cover this in part one of this message, but it ties right into the 14th verse. So let's read Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And uh, I think this is, yeah, I'm reading from the New King James. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now, the sealing of the Holy Spirit saints is the promise. And it is the earnest of our inheritance. This means it is the down payment on our redemption. Earlier in uh, part one of this message, I said that our redemption is accomplished in two stages. Our redemption is not only spiritual, which, is, which, which we instantaneously receive at the new birth, but it is also physical. The day is coming when we are going to get the last installment on our redemptive promise, okay? The transformation of our physical bodies into a glorious body like that of Jesus Christ. Until then, we have the guarantee of the fact that this is going to happen. That is what the seal of the Holy Spirit is. It is the guarantee from God. It is the promise from God. We are sealed until the day of redemption, saints. Praise God for that. That sealing is your salvation. Your being born again is the fact that you have a new nature. It is the fact that you have a new heart. 
It is the fact that Christ has come to take up residence in your spirit by and through the spirit of God. Yes, amen for that. And that is your down payment on the rest of the promise. Because of that which has already happened, the door opens, enabling the last installment to be paid, saints. Now, Ephesians 1.14 says, which is the earnest mean down payment of our inheritance until. Now, until implies that what is going on now is not yet finished. Until means there is something else coming. And what is that something else? That is what we need to think about. What is that something else? It is the redemption of your physical body. That is what it is. Ephesians 1.9, the redemption of the purchased possession. The possession has been purchased, but the full redemption has not yet been manifested, referring to your physical body. So until Jesus comes back again, you have the responsibility to govern your body. If you do not do so, it will not be done. As I have said before, the problem is the body. If you could get rid of your flesh, you would not have any problems. Just like if you did not have a body, you would never be sick or, or anything else that comes along with living in this physical body. In fact, if you did not have a body, you would not be bound to one location. You could travel anywhere in the universe indiscriminately. You could even travel in time. You could go back 30, 40, even 50 years. The only thing that would hinder you from doing so is your body. Your body is a source of problems for many things in the Christian life. And y'all know that. Your body is the place where sins take hold. I have never heard of a spirit committing fornication, saints. But I have heard of the body doing it. I have never heard of a spirit making a mistake of, of getting, you know, pregnant outside of wedlock. But many bodies are having that problem today. Thank God we are going to get a new body. Oh, praise God for that, saints. We are going to live throughout eternity in a body, a physical flesh and bone body. I did not say blood. Uh-oh, we getting ready to go deep, saints. We getting ready to go deep in the spirit, in the word. I didn't say blood. I said flesh and bone. That is the kind of body Jesus has right now. No blood in it. But flesh and bone. Because he shed his blood on behalf of all mankind. Someone might say, I, can, I can't believe that. How in the world can someone exist without blood? By the power of God. That's how. Stop thinking with your carnal mind. That's the problem with, with people. They're thinking and trying to understand God's word with their minds and you can't do it. You got to understand it by the spirit. That's why I said pray before you hear any message. Ask God to give you the understanding. We, we don't know everything. All we have is accumulated knowledge of those who preceded us. Our knowledge cannot go further than that. It just can't. What's written is what's written. And, and that's all we have to go by. And, and that's all we know. But that is not all there is to know. There are things that people are doing now, medically, medically speaking, that they were not able to do 50 years ago. Probably some of the doctors who lived in the earlier days would have said that these things were not possible to do. But the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Where did God come from? What was he he doing all those years before he created the earth. You ever wondered that? We can't figure it out. You know why? Because we have limited knowledge. In order to understand God, we have to have infinite knowledge, which is unlimited knowledge. Only God has that. There are many things to which we may say, I can't believe that. And that's reasonable. The reason we can't believe it is because our knowledge goes only so far 
and we can only understand to the extent that our knowledge permits us. As far as God's word is concerned, we need to have the attitude, if God said it, it, it that settles it. That's it. I want to share some scriptures that show us that our salvation comes in two packages. When your physical body is changed, that will be the totally finished redemptive promise of God. Until then, you have a down payment on it. You have the earnest of it, the guarantee of it. What is that guarantee? It is the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at Romans chapter 8 verses 14 through 16. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself, or himself, bear it witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There it is. The reason our spirits can do this for us is because of the sealing of the Holy Spirit. When we accepted Christ, we were, we were sealed or baptized into the body of Christ. We had the down payment given to us in our hearts or our spirits. And that was the fact that we were recreated and made new creatures in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.17 tells us this, And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Now, the word suffer does not imply sickness, nor does it, it mean uh, going with your bills unpaid. The meaning of the Greek word here has to do with the fact that we as Christians are going to have to experience the same kind of persecution Jesus did because we are um, identified with him. In the same way that Satan did not like Jesus when he walked the earth, Satan does not like the children of the kingdom of God today. And he will try to put the same pressures on us that he put on Jesus through persecution. This pressure does not involve people being sick and poor, however. It means that people are not going to understand who you are any more than they understood who Jesus was and is today. They will accuse you of being everything but the child of God, and they will try to stop you in every way they can. That is the kind of persecution the Bible says we will suffer. Now let's look at Romans 8.18. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now Paul says it is a glory that shall be revealed. Apparently, it has not yet been revealed or he would not have said shall be revealed. Romans 8:19 tells us for the earnest expectation of the creature, that is the animal kingdom, waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, if the creatures are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, then it is obvious that the sons of God have not yet been manifested. For if the sons of God had already been manifested, then the creatures would not still be waiting. That manifestation will happen when we get our brand new body saints, which will complete our redemptive package, which is the promise from God. That is why the creatures are waiting. Romans 8, 20 and 21 tells us, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered. They are not delivered yet, but shall be delivered, okay? From the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Now, what does bondage of corruption mean? Corruption means death, decay, or dying. After a baby is born, we often say that he or she is growing up. Really, the baby is not growing up. He or she is dying. The moment the baby comes out of the mother's womb, he or she begins to die. It, it's unfortunate, but that's just truth. Yes, the child has to grow up to die, all things being equal. But he or she is dying, like us. When we were born, we came out, we're aging, we're dying. We could say the child is corrupting or, or wasting away. 
his or her body is going through a change. And so must we all, unless Jesus returns before we die. Death is bondage, saints. The Father God never intended man for dying or death. Death came as a result of Adam's transgression. Boy, that little weak Adam, I tell you. In reality, what is death? For one thing, it is a perversion of life. It is just the opposite of life. Because of Adam's sin, life was perverted. And it opened the door for death to come in and for the process of corruption to begin in our bodies. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, we are told that the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. The outward man may be wasting away, but one of these days, death will be arrested by the coming of Jesus. And there will be no more corruption, no more dying, praise God. Paul tells us that the creatures themselves will also be delivered. So apparently in the kingdom that is coming, there will be some animals around. Romans 8.22 continues to say, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. What kind of pain is Paul talking about? The corruption pain, the pain of dying, the pain of wasting away. Romans 8.23 says, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits or down payment of the spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. What are the first fruits of the spirit? The very fact that it says first fruits implies second fruit, third fruit, fourth fruit, and so forth. If there is no other fruit coming, you do not say first. You just say fruits. Right, saints? Now, we are not going to, to, to get it. We already have it because we have been born again. We have the sealing of the Holy Spirit, the sealing of the Spirit of God. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory, praise God. That is the down payment. That is the pledge. That is the earnest money. That is the first fruits. We have it. Praise God. Ooh, glory to God. I thank God for salvation. I thank God for Jesus. And I know some of you do too. Now, you do not wait unless something is about to happen, right? You do not wait if it is already done. So if you are waiting, that means that whatever you are waiting for has not yet happened. If it had already happened, you would not have to wait for it. Now, making mention of you in my prayers is what Paul told the church at Ephesus. Let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, I pray every day. I pray for... Uh, my ministry, I pay for, I pray for the people who follow my ministry. I pray for, uh, ministers on television. I pray for other ministries. I pay, I, I'm sorry. I pray for Christians all over this world. I may not even know the names of the people I pray for, but I pray for them nonetheless. Paul said that he ceased not to give thanks for the body of believers at Ephesus. And he stated that he mentioned them in his prayers. Then he prayed a specific thing. This is something we need to be aware of concerning prayer. When we pray about something, we ought to pray specifically. Too many, too many times people just, you know, just make up something and, and, and say something like, well, you know, Lord bless him or her. That does not mean a thing, saints. And that kind of praying is not going to accomplish anything for that individual who you are praying for. We need to pray about specific things for specific people. Yes, there are times when it is appropriate to pray general prayers. But whenever we pray for a particular person or a particular situation, we should be specific regarding whom or what we are praying about. Now let's look at Ephesians 1.17. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The knowledge we need to gain is the knowledge of him. Thank God for all the other knowledge that is available to us today. And there is a profusion of it. Oh, yes. There are all kinds of schools and universities. You know, in fact, you can even go to school by mail today. There are all kinds of wonderful schools to help people become anything they want to be today. So really nobody has an excuse for not uh, growing in knowledge, in earthly knowledge. But the truly wise individual will gain the knowledge of God first. That is the ultimate knowledge we need to help us tie all other forms of knowledge together in order to, to make sense out of life. With all of our vaunted education and, and, and all of our intellectual excellence, mankind has yet to begin to correct the social ills affecting humanity. We have more poverty, more famine, more murders, more strife, more prejudice, more, more wars, more hate, more starvation than we have ever had in the history of this world. At the same time, we have more education and more knowledge than ever before. Obviously, the accumulated knowledge of mankind has not solved these massive problems, have they? Human knowledge has not resolved or solved prejudice. It has not solved the problem of babies being born with, with congenital defects. It has not solved the problems related to murder and rape and lying and cheating and, and all the rest of man, mankind's ills. That ought to tell us that human knowledge alone is not sufficient knowledge for mankind. We also have to get the knowledge of God. Now, I'm not saying we should not take advantage of secular knowledge. We ought to get all the knowledge and education we can, but with all our getting, we need to be sure to get understanding as well, because secular knowledge has its place. And as you get your understanding, and that you can, can get only from our Heavenly Father through His Word, you need to get it. Let's look at Ephesians 1.18. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling, and what the riches, not the poverty, but the riches, of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Now, whether you know it or not, all Christians are saints. Now, I am not talking about someone who has been made into a statue sitting on some pedestal somewhere in a park or, or in, in some building or in front of some church somewhere. All of us who have been born again are the saints. There is no special group of saints other than the body of Christ. God sees us in Christ because the Bible says that, on, that not only are we heirs of the Father, but we are joint heirs with Christ that ye may know and understand. You hear that, saints? There are many people who say, <clears throat> excuse me, well, you, you, you just never know about the things of God. The Lord works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, and, and we just have to float along in life and, and hope that maybe someday uh, he might give us a revelation here and there. But one thing we know is that one of these days over there on the other side, we will understand it all in, in the sweet by and by. And, and I'm not uh, trying to be facetious or, or make fun of people, but I hear this kind of stuff. People are literally ignorant of God's word. I mean, ignorant. None of that is written in the Bible. But thank God we can understand it in the now and now. We praise God for the sweet by and by, but we are not in the by and by. We are in the now and now, and we need to be enlightened about the things of God now today. Now let's look at Ephesians 1:19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to to us word who who believe according to the working of his his mighty power. Now a few years back some folks were talking about power to the people. God has given power to the saints to all believers. Oh yes. And that includes you, saint. 
if you have been born again. Now, uh, let's look at uh, uh, and what is exceeding. Okay, okay. I like God's excellence. I do. Paul does not say, and what is the greatness of his power? But he says, what is the exceeding greatness of his power? Everything God does, he does on a grand scale. Our God is an extravagant God. He is not wasteful, but he is extravagant. He embellishes everything he does in a grand style. He does. And he does the same thing with his children. We are the saints and we are God's children. If you have been born again, yes, you are God's child only if you have been born again. Okay, Jesus said that, not me. I'm one of his ministers. I represent him. And it is my responsibility to tell you what Jesus said. If you are not born again, you are not a child of God. So I'm talking to right now believers who have been born again. Okay. Now, if you have, you ought to be winning in life. Too many Christians are just struggling along and saying things like, well, I am... I, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Uh, I know that someday over on the other side, I will make it through, but I'm just so weak. Let me tell you something. That's a lie. That's a lie. And the Bible doesn't support that. Look at what the apostle Paul is saying here through the uh, anointing of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Excuse me. He says to us word who believe there is a dynamic power available in and through us who believe. Power in this text means ability, but you have to put that power to work if it is going to do, do you any good. Let's look at Ephesians 1:20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Now, in other words, the Lord wants us to know how much and how great this power to us word is. I wish that all Christians could get a glimpse of the magnitude of this power. I truly do. It would change the complexion of the entire body of Christ if they did so. The church has operated too long in the poverty syndrome. Now, when I say poverty as in poverty syndrome, I am not talking about material things only. You know, talk like, like money to pay your bills, automobiles to drive to work, houses to live in, expensive clothes, and the uh, necessary things of life. The word poverty also applies to the Christian's ability to make an impression on this world. Poverty in our ability to demonstrate the power of Almighty God in our daily lives. Tremendous power is available to us, but you have to know it is. Far too long, the church has acted as, as though it had no power. Well, we are just struggling, uh, 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 Dr. Kamala D, and, and we are trying to make it. But you know, after all, we are just the, the church. Just the church. If only we could grasp who we really are in Christ, saints. My God. My God, we can change this world today if we only grasped, understood who and what we are in Christ. We can make changes today. God wants us to turn our attention to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is God's power. And that is the power Paul is talking about in the 20th verse of Ephesians 1. It, it takes power to uh, overcome corruption. It takes power to overcome death saints, which is what Jesus did. And our Heavenly Father has that kind of power. That same power has been given to the body of Christ. That, that power it hasn't been taken away since the uh, church age, the beginning of the church age in the book of Acts. The same power that existed back then exists today. The problem is people are walking by the, by the flesh. They're not walking by the spirit. They, the church not even teaching uh, the things of God. They're not teaching the spirit. They're teaching fleshly things. Now, what you do not know, you can't use. When you are not aware of something being available to you, you will never be able to take advantage of the thing. Sometimes you may even know that, that something is, is available, but you do not know how to appropriate it in your life. Such uh, unappropriated knowledge 
would not do you any good. Oh my God, saints, y'all working me today because the spirit of God is, is leading me away from my notes and everything and saying, share, share, share this. Now, there's a resurrection power in the body of Christ. The power that is manifested to us was demonstrated by, by God when he raised Jesus from the dead. Y'all know that takes power. Oh, yes. That takes power to raise people from the dead. God raised Jesus from the dead and Jesus raised people from the dead. And he was walking in the same power that God provided for him. He's walking in that same power uh, that God provides for us. Now, it is important for you to talk to yourself by saying this every day. I say it every day, saints. I have the power of God in me. I have the same kind of resurrection power in me. The same kind of death overcoming power in me. The same kind of power that almighty God used when he raised Jesus from the dead in me. That power is there for me and you to use every day, saints. The body of Christ is, is going to have to, to rise up in that, God, in that God kind of power and start operating in it. You can't just have it. You have to use it. For too long, Christians have just been, been floaters, you know, floating along through life in whatever way the wind blows. No, 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 saints. Jesus never floated along with the wind. He was always deliberate when he did anything. He stepped where he was directed by the spirit of the father. And whenever the wind would blow, he would say, peace, be still. Hallelujah. I know some people will say, well, yes, Jesus did those things because he was Jesus. He was the son of God. No, Jesus did those things because he was operating by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is in us. And that same power has been made available to us, saints. It ain't just in us. It's made available, but we have to use it. We have to use it, saints. It was demonstrated when God raised Jesus from the dead. See, you have to know about the power that you have. It's the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead. Let's look at Ephesians 1.21. I know this is heavy for some of y'all. This is only for those who have an ear to hear. Okay. Ephesians 1.21 says, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now, I like that. Oh, yes. I, oh, I love God's word, it, it, particularly this word. Notice what Paul says, far above, not a little above, not a mile above, but far above. Do you know how far far is? Astronomers tell us that our sun is 93 million miles away and Jesus is far above that. Astronomers also tells us that the star closest to our solar system is known as Alpha Century. This star is four light years away from the Earth. If you could attain the speed of light, which is approximately 186,000 miles a second, you would have to travel that fast for four years to get to Alpha Century. That is far out. Jesus is farther out than that. He is farther than 93 million miles above. He is farther than four light years above. He is far above. The word power in this verse is actually the word authority or authorities. Jesus is far above. Every name that is named, any name that has ever been named, Jesus Christ is not just above it, but far above it. This is the reason why I could never waste my time studying religion. Because whatever the name is, be it Buddhism, uh, Mohammedanism, Confucianism, or uh, uh, Zoroastrianism, whatever it is, I don't care what it is. The Bible says that Jesus is far above any name you can name and that the heavenly father has exalted him far above all principality all power and might and dominion and every name that is named he is number one saints make no mistake about it 
there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. That is the name of Jesus. I need to say that again, the spirit pushing me. There is no other name given among men by which we must be saved, but the name of Jesus, only the name of Jesus. I am not trying to give you a spiritual pet pill. I, that ain't me. I'm trying to elevate your sight so that you know who you are in Christ. I'm talking to the believers. I'm talking to the saints. I'm talking to the born again Christians who belong to God. When you really get confident about this and you really know that the, the man is on your side and I'm talking about Jesus being the man, you will not take any garbage from the devil or any of his cohorts. Mm -mm. You can stand in the eyes of the storms of life. Oh yes, you can. And take the word of God and change the circumstances around you. Instead of being a victim of the circumstances, you will be the victor of the circumstances. Now, I don't know when people get the, oh, I don't know where people get the idea that we are supposed to be defeated and beat down. I don't know where that's coming from. This is not what Jesus came to earth for. To rescue a bunch of slaves and a group of people that were whipped and defeated. He came to let us know that he has made us the champions of this world. He came to let us know that, that we have been given dominion over this world. The Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And we have to go to the world and practically get on our knees and beg them to let us build a church here or, or a church there. The ground belongs to God, but it is in control of the world. And it should not be that way, saints, since the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the gold and the silver belong to us through him. And we ought to have it. Oh, yes, we should. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Now, did you know that there is another world coming? Do you think this, this veil of tears is the end? Do you think that life is meant to end, end up in, in a cemetery? Do you think God created us to be food for worms? No, no, he did not. He created us to live, saints. Sin brought death in. But Jesus whipped death for us. And now death is just a doorway. It is not the end, saints. Not only that, but we are going to regain our bodies if we should die before Jesus returns. This is a real fact of life. It is not some kind of appeal that is used to, to uh, anesthetize us uh, so that we are not aware of all of the pain of this life. Paul said that Jesus Christ is the head over all principality and power and over every name that is named, not only in this world, but in the world to come. Well, if his name is above the world to come, then there must be a world coming. And in that world, our dreams and aspirations will be fulfilled. But I have news for you, saints. In the meantime, we are to dominate in this world. We are to be on the top and not the bottom. God told the nation of Israel, you will be the head and not the tail. You will be blessed going in and, and blessed coming in and blessed going out. If you follow my word, amen, if you follow God's word, he told them, you will have so much that your bonds shall be overflowing and you will be lending to many nations and will have no need to borrow. This is talking about Christians too. Therefore, we ought to be the ones who are doing the lending and not the borrowing. Now, there's a world coming in which righteousness should dwell and there will be no more tears saints Ooh, chills went through my body no more tears i shared that with the family i prayed for yesterday no more tears oh there will be no more pain no more agony no more satan and his demons no more sickness and disease no more poverty and fear rather we will be able to bask in the sunshine of god's great love just as he originally intended for us to do. Now, for those of you who don't believe there is another world coming and we will be the ones who God placed in it to live in our new bodies. I wasn't going to share this story, but I, I, I have to share this. Um, 
I didn't hear it myself. It was said back in 1950, if I'm not mistaken. Kenneth Hagin um, uh, said that uh, the Lord appeared to him. In fact, it was the first vision Hagin said he had of Jesus. And it came to him, like I said, yeah, back in, in 1950. He said that the Lord took him up into heaven in the spirit, not in his physical body. He said he could look down and, and see his body on the platform where he had been kneeling in prayer. Some folks probably will react to uh, such a report with skepticism. And that's fine because I did initially until I learned God's word. Until I know that's possible. Until, you know, I learned that was possible. So I encourage those of you who are skeptical to read your Bibles. Uh, when he was on the Isle of Patmos, the apostle John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's in Revelation 1.10 for those of you who want to read it. John had been banished to a concentration camp on the Isle of Patmos because of his preaching the word and the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. John said that he was praying one minute and the next he was in heaven. He saw God and the angels and the heavenly throne room. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. If he could do that for John, he could do it for Reverend Hagen. So Reverend Hagen said, that he and Jesus went up to heaven and he saw the city of God. He said to Jesus, is this the city that we read about in the word of God? And Reverend Hagen said, Jesus answered, yes. Reverend Hagen then said, he asked, are those the mansions that we read about in the word of God? And Jesus said to him, yes, I will show you yours. Now, Reverend Hagen said that it was as if he were looking through a telescope and suddenly he saw a mansion up close. He went on to explain that he could, he could not truly describe the mansion because there is nothing in, his, in this life that is like it. Nothing even looks remotely like it, nothing close. Now, if you, if you do not have a point of reference, how can you describe something that is unfamiliar to another person? Now, if we were to say, well, it looks like the Empire State Building or the World Trade Center in New York or the Capitol Building in Washington, D.C., immediately we would have some idea or point of reference, right? Could you imagine trying to describe to uh, Orville and, and Wilbur Wright right after they flew in in their little plane what a Boeing 747 jumbo jet looks like. What could you use to compare it with? Nothing, because there was nothing in their day to compare it with. Now, can you imagine talking to Christopher Columbus, who, who came across the seas with, with uh, his men on the, the Nina, uh, the, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria? Can you imagine trying to tell him what the U.S. aircraft carrier Enterprise looks like? So Reverend Hagen said, I have never seen a building like that mansion. And there is nothing in the world that I can compare it with. So he couldn't really describe it to us. Is it over there in, in that other world? A world which we cannot even comprehend? Yes, there is another world coming, saints. All we know is this life. And so we try to compare heavenly things with this life. Heaven is so far above anything you could ever dream of. It is beyond the comprehension of the human mind. Sometimes when I think about heaven, I want to go right there right now. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I just want to experience that heavenly peace with Jesus. But then when I think about what I have learned about faith in the last several years, I want to stay here. I want to stay here and, and, and take back what the devil has taken away. I want to I want to help set the captives free. I want to fight with the captives. You know, I want to help set them free from fear, free from sickness, free from disease, free from prejudice and, and, and free from hatred. 
and free from all of the rest of the things that have kept mankind in bondage. Thank God I discovered how to apply the word. I want to stay around here for a hundred more years so I can help others find out how to operate in the word. Eternity is forever, saints. We do not have to worry about it. There is no rush to get to eternity. What about now? This is where the captives are being held. This is where the blind are. This is where the sick are. This is where the poor are. This is where the scared are. And we need to be about our father's business, setting them free, saints. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 tells us this. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filled all in all. Jesus Christ, the son of God, has defeated the enemy. And he is the head of the church, saints, not the pastor. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. The Father God told him to sit on his right hand until his enemies were made his footstool. The Bible tells us that we are his body. We are the church. And when the word says that God put all things under the feet of Jesus, that means they are under our feet as well because he is the head and we are his body. That means we are on top. We may not be experiencing that in, in our individual lives, but that is our problem, not God's problem. He has made us more than conquerors, saints. He has made us winners in every issue and, and encounter of life. Christians have been schooled into a poverty way of thinking and acting. The church has taken a back seat on so many issues because we thought this was where God wanted us because we were ignorant of his word, but not now. We have his word and we have a lot of his ministers, his hand-picked chosen ministers, such as myself, sharing the true word of God with you so you can know. When you know better, you do better. We thought that humility was being poor. We thought that humility was being sick without crying about it. We thought that humility meant that we should be the last in line and the last with everything. But this is not true, saints. We ought to be on top. We need to start thinking that we are on top. We need to start visualizing ourselves on top. If we do all these things long enough, we will eventually rise to the top. Possession is always preceded by confession. When you confess the word of God as to who you are in Christ, it causes you to rise from the bottom to the top, saints. See yourself as a winner and you will start winning. Talk winning and, and you will win. You have to speak healing and you will be healed. You know, speak growth and you will start growing. You have to learn how to have God's viewpoint regarding yourself. And then you will be in a position to enjoy the fullness of that which has been provided for you as a believer in Jesus Christ. I believe in winning saints. If you choose not to believe that, that's you. But you have to start believing what God says about you. You have to start confessing it over your life every day. You have to start believing it. You have to start weeding out the people that are bringing negativity to you, that are bringing messages from Satan to you. You have to start weeding them out, whether it's family or friends. Weed them out because we're talking about your life. I do not believe in anything else, saints, other than winning. I do not believe the game is over until I win. And that's how you should start thinking. We just play until I win. Mm, yes, we do, saints. We have to just keep playing until we win. If it gets dark, we turn on the lights and keep on playing until we win. That is your attitude. That is what you, your attitude should be if it's not. And that is the biblical attitude about God's children, those who are in Christ, those who are born again. We are more than conquerors, saints, and conquerors are winners. And I hope that this message blessed you. It's the end of this message. Now stand by for entering into his presence and my closing remarks. Love you. Entering into his presence 
Anxiety is a result of envisioning the future without God. So the best defense against worry is staying in communication with Him. When you turn your thoughts toward Him, you can think much more positively. Remember to listen as well as to speak, making your thoughts a dialogue with Him. If you must consider upcoming events, follow these rules. Number one, do not linger in the future because anxiety sprout up like mushrooms when you wander there. Number two, remember the promise of his continual presence. Include Jesus in any imagery that comes to mind. This mental discipline does not come easily because you are accustomed to being God of your fantasies. However, the reality of his presence with you now and forevermore outshines any fantasy you could ever imagine. Now I have two scriptures I want you to meditate on today as it relates to what I just shared. The first scripture is Luke chapter 12 verses 22 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body. What you will wear, life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Scripture number two is Ephesians chapter three, verses 20 through 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, I want you to just enjoy life, laugh, love, forgive, and treat everyone with compassion, dignity, and respect. See you next time. All right, saints. I hope you enjoyed the uncompromising word of God, walking and standing in God's grace. If you have any questions or comments about this message or any past interludes, please send your comments, questions, or prayer requests to talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you want to support this podcast financially, please go to one of my five podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcasts, or Radio Public homepages, and contribute an amount of your choice. Now until next time, saints. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.